0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All Saints Day, which we are marking this morning, is one of the great feasts of the church year. Now, you may not have that feeling, but that's all right. I have it enough for all of us. (laughs) It's also, though, a day when it's easy to get a little bit confused. And because so many of us are relatively new to the Anglican tradition, it's one of those days when it's helpful to do a little teaching before we get to the preaching. So All Saints is a day when, somewhat self-evidently, we celebrate all of the saints. That means both the living and the dead. And we honor them because by their life and example, they show us how to be more faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. As one member of a parish I formerly served confided in me, though, all this saint's talk sounds awfully Catholic to me. (laughs) I've omitted his accent to protect the guilty. Um, So you'll have to permit me this morning a bit of a clarification As Anglicans, the Anglican Church is often known as the Church of the Via Medea, the Middle Way. This is one of the things that Anglicans like best about ourselves, uh, which is really saying quite a lot. Uh, It means, though, that in characteristically English fashion, we try to keep things pretty orderly and tidy, not veering too far to one extreme or the other. We try to be both reformed in the sense that we're one of the churches that came out of the Reformation in England and in continental Europe, but we're also Catholic in the broadest universal worldwide sense of the word as part of that large body of Christian believers. And if that sounds like a fine line to walk, it is. It also means, though, that we can enjoy the best of both church worlds, as it were, So that means while we don't go as far as to pray to saints, we also don't ignore our forerunners in the faith. We remember them because we know they have a lot to teach us and we can learn from their example. Now, talking about saints strikes a nerve with some folks because it sounds as if we're setting up a kind of class system within the church where some people are placed up on a pedestal because they're holier than the rest of us. But honoring the saints is just another way of honoring the God who makes them holy. And despite what we might think, saints are not just spiritual Olympians. Saints are those who have been joined together into the larger body of Christ, the church. So that means that even you and I are technically saints. And the holiness of Christ, which was revealed in the lives of those famous saints that we all think of, is still at work in us. So here we come to the morning's thesis that I want you to remember. Saints are not born. They are made. And we are made to be saints only by God. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not met very many people that I automatically think of as saints. Instead, I think it's been God's desire to surround me in my life pretty consistently with deeply faithful people who were happy to serve God and to love their neighbors and expected no special recognition in return. You probably know some people like that too, I imagine. And while they were not one-name saints like Patrick or Teresa or Augustine, their contributions made a difference. Because, at least for me, they were an example of how it is possible to be a follower of Jesus. And that is something I think that is both far simpler and much more difficult than we realize. What happens sometimes when you travel, particularly if you're a clergy person and you reveal your identity to somebody, you learn interesting things about them. So I found myself one time in an airport shuttle on my way to a hotel with a gentleman, and I was tired and it was a long flight and so I made the mistake of admitting what it is that I do. Uh, uh, this is one reason why you should never wear a clergy collar on an airplane because the reactions are usually quite strong one way or another. Uh, so I, this, this man on the airport shuttle, he made a, a strong impression on me because he told me he prays every day by name for every clergy person that he knows. Wow. Right. Right. <laughs> Now, that may not be what you are called to do by God. That's a very particular kind of sainthood. But what I mean to point to is that you don't have to be a missionary in a foreign country or have a, what I imagine is a very long list of people that you pray for every day by name in order to be holy. You don't have to be a saint like that. But you do need to be open to what God might do in your own life, in your own particular context you have to follow where you're called to go that is the path to holiness now holiness is of course a tricky concept in our time it sounds a little bit puritanical and holiness is something that we have come to expect will be shortly followed by a dramatic fall from grace and unfortunately that's often the case but holiness is not just a setting apart for its own sake wherein you're sealed in a kind of hermetic container, uh, wrapped in plastic wrap and set aside to be holy. It's a dynamic and active characteristic driven by the power of God that can be living and active in us. My argument is that holiness actually makes us more engaged with the world because we start to see the world around us with the eyes of God. That is what the Beatitudes that we heard this morning from what we know in Luke chapter 6 as the Sermon on the Plain, are trying to teach. They are a description of the life of Christian holiness, an outline of the way that the people who gather to follow Jesus are meant to carry themselves. Jesus tells his followers that among them there will always be those who are poor, those who are hungry, those who weep, and those who are hated among others. And in Jesus' description, These, in the reality of the kingdom of God, are gifts that are given. They keep the church from becoming a community of the self-impressed. Because when we look around, we are always reminded that the church is not just a club reserved for only the holiest people that we know, but is instead a hospital for recovering sinners. The saints, therefore, are a visible reminder That God welcomes people of all kinds who find themselves in all stages of life. And that some of those folks may be in some state of distress at any given moment. But that does not rule them out of participation in the kingdom of God. But instead means that there is absolutely a place for them. And that's because each of these Beatitudes is centered on Jesus himself. Jesus was poor. Jesus hungered and thirsted. Jesus wept. Jesus was hated. Jesus even loved his enemies. In order to be his disciple, in order to be a saint, we have to be ready to follow his example in those ways, enduring suffering for the sake of God's greater glory. We often try to take the words of Jesus in the gospel and turn them into something more abstract. But he means them, I think, quite plainly. Those who follow him will hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will endure the scorn of their enemies. They will be abused but turn the other cheek. They will give their cloaks and tunics away. And in all that, they will endure with faithfulness only because they have seen him go before them and do it himself. Christians are to live like that as difficult as it sounds because that kind of merciful outlook on the world is an imitation of how God sees us. And God, out of abundant mercy, has made it possible for even you and I to become saints despite our sinful and selfish nature. Now that pursuit of sainthood, if that's something that we're actually trying to do cannot be accomplished alone. It doesn't originate in our own hearts and minds. It is a gift from God that can only be properly pursued and received in the midst of a community of deep and persistent faithfulness. This is at least one of the reasons why we need the church, because it's helpful to be surrounded by people who are trying to live in the same way, and that we occasionally need to be reminded by these people that it is not insane to try to follow Jesus. I don't know about you i take great comfort in that because occasionally there are moments when i need to be reminded that this is actually the call that god has placed in our lives when we are patiently walking together helping one another when we stumble waiting for one another when we lag behind eating together at one table we are helping one another become saints And that's why we venerate the saints that have gone before us and those that we know, the famous and the anonymous, because by hearing and following the voice of Jesus Christ, they give us an example that we can imitate. Saints teach us that holiness is not impossible, that regular folks like you and I might be able to put ourselves at God's service and in so doing be made fitting tools for service in his kingdom. Now, that means we have to submit ourselves to God's description of the whole order of the world and adopt that posture that Jesus describes in the gospel. You'll notice that the Beatitudes are not a strategy or a suggested list of ways that we could make the world more just or deal with our problems or live happier, healthier, wealthier lives. In fact, it sort of sounds like following Jesus might be kind of a drag sometimes. But the Beatitudes illustrate that life lived by the power of the Holy Spirit requires something that you and I cannot do for ourselves. And that is trust that Jesus knows what he is doing. The making of saints is slow work, and that's why it requires Christ. It can only be accomplished by the will of God. There is no theory or technique of Christian formation that will turn us into saints unless God does it. If we value our tradition or our liturgy or our orthodoxy more than the living presence of God with us, then it's possible that we will be outwardly self-satisfied, but on the inside become hollow vessels, or worse, so full of ourselves that there is no room for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's because it's much easier for us to act out of our own strength rather than to wait patiently for God to act on our behalf. The great challenge of sainthood is to trust the Lord enough to let his patient work bear fruit in our lives, to remain present and engaged, to have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing, and the will to persevere even when life is difficult. And we submit ourselves to the communal life of God's church because it's within the community of the saints that we can support one another in pursuit of that holy life. There are times in all of our lives where we are unable to perceive what God might be doing or what we are called to next. And because life involves some suffering, in that moment you might want to throw your hands up in despair. But the fellowship of other believers gives us hope because we can, in those moments, bear one another's burdens. There is, I think, a great danger in forgetting or trying to gloss over the fact that all life, even the life of faithful Christian disciples, includes a measure of that kind of suffering and frustration. And if we start to view suffering as an anomaly that has to be dealt with or have some kind of control over, That means pushing those who suffer out of our view. But life itself is finite. We are fragile, mortal creatures. We suffer from illness. And sometimes we suffer from frustration with one another. And ultimately, we all suffer death. This past week, our church lost a dear friend and brother in Christ, Father D.J. Jackson, who had served as Bishop Kevin's executive assistant and was ordained a priest just a week before passing into greater glory. The bishop shared with us that while suffering from the illness that would ultimately take his life, D.J. told him, I pray that God will heal me, but I do not demand God's healing. D.J. endured his suffering without losing hope and is in glory with all the saints now as a result. Suffering and glory are two experiences that every saint has in common. To be a saint is to go on in the face of suffering with the conviction that because the suffering of this life has been redeemed by Jesus Christ, it can be faced without fear. As Paul says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Christ has made it possible for us to live lives in which suffering is not the first or the last word, but merely part of the journey to glory that we aspire to. We get a picture of this in Revelation this morning. A little peek into the final consummation of all our hope. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Those are words that have inspired generations of believers. Not to avoid the challenges of this present life, but to face them with trust that suffering can be redeemed and made glorious by God. And that is available for you and I, just as it was for any of the famous saints throughout history. It is possible to be made holy in that way. But it requires that we place all our trust in Jesus and not in our own strength or intelligence or resources. It will be, at the best of times, a wildly countercultural thing. And in the dark moments of your life, it may seem to be completely irresponsible. But the joy that is found in Christ is unmatched. The peace and the freedom in his presence that we discover will make all of this seem like only a passing rain shower. Jesus calls his followers to live life to the fullest, but with both eyes open aware that marching to the beat of his drum and following the life he describes in the Beatitudes may lead us into conflict with the powers of the world that seek to corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. Christ does not tell us that everything will be easy, but that it will all be for our good. And while there may be suffering through the night, joy will come with the morning. He invites us to be like the saints, those known to us and those known only to God, to take up our cross and follow him. And he has promised that if we will run the race with patience and faithfulness, the glory that is rightly his will be shared with us for eternity. Amen.